Welcome back to another episode of the Pastor and Son podcast. This is part two of a discussion on salvation, sin and forgiveness. In this episode, we go into the question of whether God has forgiven us of all sin, that is, past, present and future sin. We then look closely at some scriptures often used to oppose the belief that God doesn't hold our sins against us today. If you enjoy this content, then please do follow and subscribe. Now, without further ado, let's get into this episode. Because of Jesus. Because Jesus has already Jesus taken the punishment. Jesus has taken for all the sin. full mm. punishment, regardless of how vile that sin was, whatever the act was, whatever it is, he took it. Okay, so he's not going to punish anyone else. Because if he's going to punish you, then why did he punish Jesus already for that? He's already done it. Okay, mm. already done. That's not an issue with God at all. Sin is actually not an issue with God. However, if you refuse to accept the, the, the benefits of being free from sin and walking after him, you, you forfeit some of the things that you might have avoided. Say, let's say if there's a minister doing something like that. You know, it, probably the first few times, nothing is going to happen. It may, he may even go years. And in all that time, the Holy Spirit would probably be dealing with him and trying to get him to turn around and turn away from that. Why is God even bothering? Because he can see the consequences coming. You see, that law in the Old Testament where the consequences come has not changed. It will come if you don't stop. And so he's trying to save you from that. And there's a solution in our, our, our dispensation that Jesus is the solution. You can turn away and say, this is what repenting really is. It's not yeah. about groveling and crying and sniveling to look like you're sorry. No, it's really in your heart saying, you know, I don't like the results I'm getting from this. I don't like the, the, this, the way this is going. I turn from it. I'm turning to God. God, what do you have to say about A, B, or C? And I will follow that. Right? So that's it. You know, God doesn't punish people for mm. sin. The punishment went on Jesus once and for all. So has Jesus's payment of sin on the cross and the forgiveness or the removal of sin, the eradication of sin that we get from that, does that apply for all of our sin, past, present and future? Yes. So even sins that I'm yet to commit, years down the line, that's covered by... All covered. And you better be pleased about that. Because when Jesus came over 2,000 years ago, you weren't even born. If he could die then for the future, he died for past, present, and future. You were in the future. I was in the future, Right. Some people were in the past. Some were in the present at the time. Okay, so the, you see, when we talk about spiritual things, we cannot just relate them to the natural. It's not the same thing. In the spirit, time is not time as we know it. We know time now, that you know, morning, noon, night, day, week, month, and so on. Time is for the earth, right? But in the spirit, there isn't time. Things can go forward, backwards. You know, God's able to reach into the future already. He's there because he's already in the future. He was in the past. 
and he's in the present. He's in the future too. Okay, so Jesus died for all sins. Every, actually, every human sins have actually been paid for. Paid for. The reason why they aren't saved is not because the sins have not been taken away. It's because they have refused. Mm. Or perhaps they have not yet heard. But they have not accepted the uh, um, atonement or the, you know, the blood of Jesus to cleanse them from all of that. They have not yet done that. Mm. And so everybody's got to make that choice. But every sin is paid for. Now, on the earth... This the re- another reason why, you know, people, I'm just bringing this in. People talk about, do we repent of our sins or don't we repent of our sins and blah, blah, blah. And you never repent again because God's forgiven you and this and that. Well, I tell you what, and yes, God's forgiven you. But if you have a relationship with somebody and you did something that you know that was not something that was good for them or good to them or you rejected them in some way would you not say sorry to them do you think that if you're in a relationship with someone you just do what you like and you just act like it never happened you would want to clear the air and say you know i'm actually sorry about that and the person obviously they've already forgiven you they whilst you're even yet speaking they'll be like don't even mention it i know your heart i know you know this is one of the things that, you know, we, we say sorry to God, not because he, does, he didn't forgive us. He already did. And if you forgot to say sorry, praise God, he's already forgiven you anyway. You're not going to remember everything. But if something does come to your attention and you feel, I do not want to continue in this, you would make a decision. You would say, God, I'm really sorry even I went that way. Help me now. I turn from it. Mm. And then you would turn. And so, yes, Mm. um, all sins are forgiven, past, present, future, every sin. And people need to accept this tremendous free gift of salvation. Mm. And just to establish this with some scriptural backing, Hebrews 9.12 says, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, Mm -hmm. thus securing an eternal redemption. Mm -hmm. So that's talking about Jesus securing an eternal redemption through his blood. Now, the word redemption, uh, according to Ephesians 1, 7, that's connected to forgiveness of sin. That's part of redemption Mm -hmm. is the forgiveness of sin. And so he secured eternal forgiveness of sin and eternal all time, past, present and future. Past, present and future. So this is why Jesus came, because you see, in the Old Testament, there was a system by which they could be forgiven at least for a year. Okay, and they, they had the animals that God would say they should sacrifice the blood of goats or uh, the goats or calves or whatever it was there were even pigeons whatever according to what they're saying that you were wanting atonement for there were different rules different things that you would give and so on and remember you know one of the things i wondered about why the animals you know why because the animals never sinned Mm. yeah i got that from god the animals never made a conscious decision everything that's affected animals today they didn't do any of it Mm. It all came from man, okay? 
So there, even though their blood was not divine or anything like that, but it was able to cover them. It's right. a bit similar to how God covered um, Adam and Eve with the skin of um, animals. He covered them when they, be, they were naked. They needed covering. He covered them. And that's another subject because mm. I believe it's not just a covering of animal skin that they themselves were clothed in skins and so it suggests that perhaps they looked a bit different than we do now but that's another thing we can go mm. into on mm. another day but nevertheless um there was bloodshed and the covering was covered them what from animals mm. and so um these animals they covered sin for a year and then they would go back the next year even the high priest had to uh, offer sacrifice for himself before he could even do it and so this continuously you know but then jesus comes and he is the high priest of good things to come it says the greater and more perfect tabernacle that was christ so he comes and he does this once and for all because his blood is divine it's completely free of sin it wasn't anything that you could say, oh, it's coming to an end. It was going to be eternal. It was going to be perpetual. This blood of Jesus was going to be con constantly speaking, speaking, you know, on our behalf. And it says that that's the reason why Jesus became the mediator between us and God of the new covenant. In other words, you don't have to go to a priest to offer your sacrifice and cover you for a year and so on. The priest could even be corrupt in the Old Testament. Now you have someone who is sinless. He's both God and he's also man. He's fully God and he's fully man. Mm. Okay. And his blood has no sin in it. Totally 100% divine God. And he sacrifices himself to be a once and for all sacrifice that whoever comes to him, you're, you're never going to need another sacrifice again. This is the sacrifice. This is it. Mm. Yeah. And I think one key distinction between the Old and New Testament, or one thing that makes the New Covenant the better covenant, is that in the Old, the blood of animals covered sin, but in the New Testament, the blood of Christ takes away sin. Erases removes completely. sin removes it totally mm. removes and only divine the blood of jesus could do that nothing else could mm. that's why now we should no longer have consciousness of sin mm. see the sin consciousness is something that many many believers have they have forgotten that they have been cleansed they have forgotten that their sins actually don't exist anymore and the more you think that you are somehow flawed, the more you will live a kind of defeated life. When you realize that actually sin's been dealt with, actually I'm a new person, actually I, I can do different types of things, and you begin to renew your mind. This is why it's so important to renew your mind. Mm -hmm. And re you renew your mind by reading the word, listening to God, meditating on the word looking it's as if the the bible is a mirror 
that you look into to discover who you really are, especially in the New Testament. It tells you how to live, how to handle things, what to think, and whatever you think is how you will behave. There's no human on earth who is behaving a certain way apart from their thinking. It is the thinking that is the engine that drives behavior. Okay, so when the behavior changes, it's because you can look at the source. It will be a change of mind wherever they, you know, decided to change their minds. So that's why the Bible talks about renewal of your mind. It is because your soul realm was not saved at salvation. Mm. It is your spirit that gets saved and is made perfect. So your spirit is made perfect and knows everything about God, understands God, understands it. Your spirit doesn't have a problem. Your soul is where you, the problem lies because you've been programmed in this world already. Now, if you think about, about a computer and having to reprogram things, that's what your mind and, you, you know, your mind is in your soul. You have your will, you have your emotions, you have your mind in the soul realm. Now, your soul is where you must educate You must show your soul the word and you must put it in there. Now, every time your soul grabs hold of a truth from the word of God, your spirit simply bears witness Mm. and says, yes. And this is how you see healings happen. You will see a healing pop like that. And it seemed to have seemingly come from nowhere, but something was done to facilitate this healing to take place. Your spirit said, I see I understand by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. Healing is for me. It is his will for me to be well. You were, as you were saying and accepting and understanding that your spirit that's already saved said yes. And Mm. it came through because your flesh is just your house. You need to live in on earth. You, if you're on earth, you need a body. If you don't have a body, you don't have any right to be on earth anymore. That's why you don't see dead people walking around. They lost their right to be on earth. They had to go to another location. Mm. Okay. So as long as you are in the body, you will be on earth. You will have that authority on earth. And therefore, you, your body will obey what your soul is saying. Not mm. your spirit, your soul. Mm. Did you notice that? Not your spirit. Your spirit mm. knows everything, but we cannot operate mm-hmm. unless your soul agrees. This is how you see defeated Christians. They have not understood these things and mm. they think things are going to be automatic. Mm. They are not automatic. You've got to study the word. You've got to find out what the will, the last will of testament and testament of Jesus. What is it saying? Mm. What has been left to me? And then you walk in it. Mm. Not lie down and sleep day in and day out and somehow by osmosis you will know. No, no. When the cancer comes hitting, you haven't got a leg to stand on. You've got to just do the, what the world does. You have no choice then. Mm. Yeah, that's it. It's a question of renewing the mind. And just to make clear the distinction between soul and spirit, the spirit is the part of you that's, if you're saved, connected to God Straight in away. the spiritual realm. Yes. If you're not saved, it's separated from God and separated. needs to be saved. Yeah. And then your soul is your mind's will and emotions, right? Yes. So it's that part that's in the natural that you use to, you know, think and yes. everything else. And so the renewing the mind is getting the soul in line with the spirit. 
Exactly. Because once you're saved, the spirit becomes brand new. Yes. It's one with Jesus. Yes. It's filled with His Spirit. It has everything that He has. So yes. That's the renewing the mind aspect, and I think when it comes to how we see sin and all of that, the way I see it is, if God has chosen to remember our sins and lawless deeds no more, what right do we have to constantly be remembering our sins? Precisely because. Yes, he's removed them, and you know this is not to say that when you know you've sinned, you just go on, forget that it ever happened. I mean,、mm. you do, but you repent and say, "Okay, you acknowledge you've done wrong." Yes, and then you move on and you let it go. You forget because God's forgotten. That's right. So, yeah, that's the place we want to go into: is that、yeah. we're not constantly conscious of what we've done wrong,、mm. what we've done in the past. But we're conscious of the fact that we're saved now. We're a new person. Yes. This is who we are.、Mm-hmm. Free from sin,、uh, our sins have been removed, and now we're living a new life. Exactly. In light of that, and so, I wanted to just say, you know, when I mentioned earlier on about identity, this is actually what I、um, I was talking about. That when you know who you are in Christ, you know that you are one with Him. You know that.、Um, The word you can get from the word everything that you need. You look into the word to see who you are, and you live like it. The more you have that, the more you will live according to it. As I said before, whoever everybody lives according to how they think. Okay, so if you have renewed your mind, you will live like it. You will see results, and that's really it. It's God. It, you know he's not against us. He's not against anybody. He came to save us. He came to restore us to our rightful place. He came to give us our true identity. He came to bless us. To you know he wants. He actually wants you to be happy. People find it hard to reconcile that. That does God want me happy? Okay, he does. That's why he's gone to all that trouble. He wants to see you laugh. He loves to bless you. He loves to surprise you with things that you didn't even ask for or even realize that you wanted them. But he just gives to you. He's a giver, a generous giver.、Mm. He wants to constantly bless you. You've got to. He wants you to live in a constant state of joy and peace. In fact, I would go as far as to say perhaps he wants you to be in a constant state of kind of ecstatic joy.、Mm. That's what. God is like He is full of joy. The Bible says Jesus was filled with joy above all his brethren.、Mm. You know, we think of Jesus and we think his eyes were rolled up in his head, floating from here, looking disapproving or something. No, he was laughing and joyful. That's why he says some of these things: remove the log from your eye before you go and try and take the. The, the the toothpick out of somebody else's eye. These things were probably things like sarcastic but funny. You know, he was filled with joy and peace and believing. He overflowed with hope, and we are the same. We are the same as him. He wants us filled with joy and peace in believing. We are overflowing with hope. We are never down. We don't know what depression means. We don't know what pain means. Why? Not because pain never tried to knock at your door. It probably did, but because you had the word in you, you rose up against that and you stood. You came over it. You said no. 
And yeah. that's what it's about. It's not about how many sins have I committed or not committed and all that. Listen, no, it's nothing to do with that. You're not a sin person anymore. If you have received Jesus, you are now a saint. That's yeah. who you are. You. This is what your soul needs to understand. So your soul stops thinking about sins and I will not sin. And I, the more you think about sin, the more you likely to do it anyway this is why you see churches where they they maybe preach a lot about fornication my goodness it's filled with fornication if you go somewhere they talk about oh we don't like prosperity and all that guess what those you will find the most financial irregularities over there and people doing all sorts of dodgy things to get money but they say we don't like prosperity and i you know i had to be honest with myself very early on to say you know what money is good to have I would rather have money than not. I'm not going to pretend I don't want money. I do want money and God can give me money. I don't have to steal it. I don't have to, you know, work myself to death. He can bless me and therefore I'll take it. Yeah. Everybody who says I don't like prosperity, guess what? They're working hard. They want the next nice car. They want a nice home. They're sitting in comfy places talking about, oh, I hate the prosperity gospel. Oh, really? Why don't you sell your house? Sell everything you've got. You can always build a little mud hut somewhere. You do without. Get some muddy water and say, I'll have that instead because I'm humble. Mm. And see how you like that because it's sheer hypocrisy mm. to say, I don't want a prosperity gospel. Just because somebody stole something and bought a plane or whatever it is they did. Doctors have done the same. Have you stopped going to the doctor? No. Lawyers have done the same. Have you stopped using a lawyer? No. Teachers have done the same. Did you stop your child from going to school? No. But when it comes to the church, oh, um, so-and-so uh, has got too many cars or whatever it is. Did, you, did, you, did he take the car off you? No. Leave him between him and God. And you concentrate on God wants you blessed. And just because even if they did the wrong thing, that's not your call. Mm. You are not the judge. You are meant to receive from God what he has for you. And if you have only bless me and my four and no more, how are you going to help the gospel spread? Mm. How are you going to help your neighbor? How are you going to help? Of what use are you actually? Because you are fed, you are watered, you are sleeping nice, but nobody else who cares what happens to them. You know, it's the height of selfishness and total ignorance. To say, I hate the prosperity gospel. You've got to have rocks in your head. I'm sorry to be so hard, but it just riles me up. Because everybody, oh, I hate prosperity. Come and see the job they're doing. Look at the house they're living in. Are they prosperous or not? They are. They feel they've got enough. I mean, anyone living in the West, compared to most of the world, you're prospering. Of course. So That's why you can afford you know, to sit down. I have never, I, when uh, back in the day, in fact, I remember going to Ghana and I was asked to preach somewhere and I have never heard people who are really in poverty say they hate the prosperity gospel. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, because they know poverty is evil. They know how evil, yeah. deadly it is. You have to be comfortable and cross your legs and chat rot somewhere far away from poverty because if you don't like prosperity well you can have poverty instead mm. it's not like oh, i don't like prosperity but somehow i'll still have the trappings of it no you gotta be honest do i like it or don't i mm. and if you don't let at least be honest and say i've given up everything uh, you will find me by a little stream lying there on a few twigs 
that's my life now. I will respect you more because at least you followed what you say you believe. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's definitely uh, a thing where people will see one individual minister who preached prosperity and cheated people or you know exactly. abused it. Abused, and so they them. throw the whole theology throw out the, of the whole window thing out. with it. You know, I mean, it's, it's like, the same with healing. You know, just because somebody um, was dishonest doesn't mean that, oh, that means it, none of it works. And so none of it should be considered. Of course not. You know, prosperity is God's way of living. He's prosperous. Mm. He is so, you know, we can't even measure how prosperous God is. Mm. It's impossible to measure it. He, he has more than enough over abundance if we talk about streets being paved with gold and you know precious jewels just everywhere in the wall and stuff like that i mean this guy is loaded if you want to talk about loaded mm. and none of you puny little i've got a little nice flat somewhere and a nice i can shop in mns and that's enough or I can go to Max Martin Gun or whatever. No, you know, you haven't even reached it. You need to have more. And then you can pull the poverty-stricken people out of that ditch. You can pay somebody's fees. You can put somebody through university. You can buy somebody's house. You can buy them their cars. You can do something. Do good to someone and you change a life. Not sit there and say, uh, spend your time looking at men of God who you think are falling short because you now you've turned into God, mm. pronouncing judgment on them and not helping anybody in the process. Yeah, because the bottom line is to preach the gospel and reach people across the world now, you need money to do it. You need money. And so the you more know, money you have, the easier it is to course, do that. Of like course. The that. more you have, the more you can reach. The more you can send people, even if you're not going yourself, you can send people. I mean, I remember us going to Albania. We, we, you know, we didn't walk there. We didn't blink and then we were there. We actually had to buy plane tickets. And then we had to pay for uh, uh, the place we stayed. And then we had to buy food. And then we had to get on transport. We had to minister to people. All of it took money. Where are these believers hiding or what, which rock are they under? When you think that we shouldn't be prosperous, because then how then are we going to tell people mm. their sins are forgiven, that they can be righteous, that God loves them, that he wants them, that he values them, that he's looking for them. He's looking for ways to bless them. I tell you, when you see the look on somebody's face who you have ministered to and they've been healed right in front of you, and you look at the joy in, on, on their faces and the hope that comes, there's nothing to compare to that. Mm. Absolutely nothing. And it's a grave injustice and a grave error for believers to spend their time dissecting and pulling apart some man of God who they don't even know personally. They just read on the internet. L listen, the internet is not the place you get your info from, by the way. You will find all sorts on whoever you want. You can make it say something. So you don't sit down and do that. I mean, I know men who actually have blogs dedicated. What would happen if they had dedicated the time to preaching the truth mm. and saving people and then telling them so they'd be healed? What would have happened? So much more. And I guess, um, yes, you know, mm. people just wasting time yeah. doing things that nobody's called them to do. Mm. 
Yeah, but prosperity is part of salvation and healing is part of salvation. Yes. And so, you know, we're definitely going to dedicate an episode specifically to those topics and go into them. Right. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to end with a few objections specific objections right that people might find in scripture and use against the idea of eternal forgiveness past present and future Mm. or being saved just by believing right so the first one i wanted to start with is in matthew 7 right and matthew 7 21 says this not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven right yeah so you can is read that... a bit more if you want okay. but that's the main text and the the, main... i think okay. the point being made is that some people will call him lord mm-hmm. but they're not even going to be saved because they didn't do maybe they weren't living right or whatever it is yeah and so how can we say you just have to believe and call Jesus Lord to be saved? Well, I believe this scripture is referring to people who were actually not saved. See, um, it may surprise people to know that there are many people in church, some even pastors or leaders or elders or ministers in some form or fashion, that there's plenty in where I come from, for example, loads of them they're preaching some sort of gospel they have not been saved and uh, they're doing all sorts of things that they say it's in the name of Jesus this is happening and this is who God is referring to Jesus is saying not everyone who says to me Lord Lord shall enter why will they not enter because they are not saved they have not believed they are using the name. Remember the sons of Sceva? They said, I, we adjure you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. And the demon showed them where the power lay in that instance. Because if you're trying to use the name of Jesus, you actually don't have any power over the enemy. All you can do is lie and manipulate and do tricks and this and that. And we know of such people who claim to be ministers, who are doing all sorts of things because they have not had that heart experience with God and they're not genuinely saved. So that's why he's saying that many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? I want to stop right there. The fact that somebody prophesies doesn't mean that it's in the name of Jesus. Did you know that? Yeah. It's not every prophecy you hear this and that. Listen, CNN is even prophesying. as <laughs> it's BBC and you know, the other churches and different people. What you need to do when you hear a prophecy is to weigh it against the word of God. It, you know, it doesn't matter who it came through. Mm-hmm. You would have to weigh it to see, is this of God? You know, you could hear something at school or at work or, you know, even in your own home. A prophecy. You don't just take it and you, you weigh it. And then you realize what the source is and the actual source of that word that you're hearing. That is a prophetic word. When I say prophetic, I'm including declarations, announcements, blah, blah, blah. They can all be prophetic to you if you believe it. 
for example, uh, you know, when we had the, the, the COVID and people were saying, you know, so many people are going to die. There was some prediction of how many. I think that even happened back in the day with SARS and so on. But when there's some sort of epidemic or something, there will be a prediction. It, you really, it's down to you to, it's like a prophecy. So you can accept it and say, this is what's going to happen. And you probably will experience some of it because you accepted it. Or you can look at it and say, no, it's not coming near me. I'm not going to accept this. It's not going to me and my house. We're not going to partake in this thing. And I mean, from the get go, I said when COVID happened, I said, no, not in my house. As for me and my children, we're not going to participate. You can actually decide to participate or not participate. Mm. I knew to do this because already I used to do it every time flu season came. I would say I am not participating in the flu season. When um, I turned 60, I got all sorts of letters and things from the doctor, emails, texts and everything to say that you're 60 and therefore this and that is going to happen to you and you've got to go and be tested for A, B and C. I said I will not participate. Why? Because I believe God's word above their word. Yeah. You see, mm. so here he says, have we not prophesied in your name? Just because somebody came and said, I prophesied this, that, that in the name of Jesus. Doesn't mean Jack, nothing. I've, we cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. I even question whether they really done all of that because he says, then, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Mm. So they're not doing it actually in his name. The fact that they're mentioning in his name, you know, you go to any church, you could hear something being said in the name of Jesus, not necessarily him saying it. Mm. Yeah. Another thing that's just come to mind reading this is that we talked about how to be saved, you have to humble yourself and you believe it's not by your works. It's a free gift. Mm. And here they're talking about what they've done, right? Exactly. They're emphasizing their works. Yeah. So if you're relying on your works, uh, you're you not going to be saved. It. Yeah, you will not make it because you're saved by grace through faith, mm. not by works. Mm. Never by works. You can do, you know, whatever. In fact, there's a scripture that says even if you give your body to be burned, <laughs> you know, it's not going to save you. Mm. So all of that is, you can see from the what is being said here that they actually don't know God. Otherwise, if they did if they had humbled themselves and been saved, they'd be so grateful, so mm. grateful that I'm saved, that I'm getting to heaven. You know, I mean, it's overwhelming. If you don't have that overwhelming thing, you're saying, oh, didn't I do this? Jesus, you're not being fair. I went here, I stood over there and I did that. What am I saying? God, there's something wrong with you. You are not fair. You are not doing the right thing. How dare you? You know, so that you can see they're actually not of God. So... Yeah, you can scratch that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, another one which comes up a fair bit. And there's a few scriptures which say a similar thing on this. But mm. So I'm going to read the one from 1 Corinthians 16. Uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9. And it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, 
nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And so this is used to pretty much say, how can you say you believe and you're saved, but now you're living, let's say, sexually immoral, homosexual, you're an adulterer, an idolater. Mm. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God if you do those things. I actually love this scripture you've just said. The reason is this. Let's just carry on a bit further in verse 11. Mm -hmm. It says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. In other words, you were just like that. All of us, we fall in there somewhere. Whether you've even gone out and done any of those acts or not, the fact is, as a somebody who was a sinner it's somewhere in you okay and it says that these people will not inherit the kingdom of god not so much because they committed those acts because they have not been washed sanctified by the blood of jesus Mm. that's the reason why we have to make a distinction between people who are saved and people who are not that the Bible has only two types of races. You know, the world says, oh, yeah, and they're black race and they're Asian, and this and that, and all this nonsense going on. In the Bible, there is no such thing. They're saved and they're unsaved. Okay? Yep. God loves all people, whether saved or unsaved. He's trying to get everybody saved so that he can bless them. They can be with him. Okay? Mm-hmm. So these are the two types of people. Now, in the saved category, you could actually find people doing things like this. Right. But do you remember that he said all sin, past, present, future is forgiven? Mm-hmm. So supposing you are saved, but you are living like this, your sin is forgiven. The one you did yesterday, the one you did today, the one you're thinking about tomorrow and next day is all forgiven. Mm. All of it. Okay. The only thing now, because you are a spirit, you are a soul in the body and you are on earth, there are consequences that come on the body and the circumstances because it's physical on earth. Yeah. Okay. So your spirit, if you were to drop dead, even in the middle of a horrible act, you would find yourself in heaven. You'd probably be kissing the ground or something when you get there because you know that you didn't get there in quite <laughs> a sanctified manner, but you would be there. Mm. But on earth you will face consequences of your actions because you are participating in sinning and therefore you're participating in the wages that will be due you. Mm. Okay? So this is the thing that this does not refer to um, when it says they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Notice the first line there. Do you not know that the unrighteous, Mm -hmm. and I want to make something very, very clear. If you're saved, if you have called on the name of Jesus, if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are righteous. Mm. It's a free gift. It was imparted to you. 
you didn't work for it. You couldn't work for it. You couldn't read enough chapters for it. You couldn't go and stand in the corner and preach to enough people for it. There's nothing you can do to earn righteousness. You are righteous by a free gift given to you. It's there in your spirit. All that remains for you to do is re realize who you truly are. And when you realize it, you begin to act like it. Yeah. So from the first line, we can see if you're saved... This isn't talking about you because it refers to the unrighteous and the exactly. saved are the righteous. You are the righteous just by being saved. You may mm. be living a really below standard life. You may be even participating in all these things written there because you have not realized that you are actually now a new person in the new kingdom. You don't have to do that anymore. You're programmed to do this sort of thing. Who knows? People have gone through all sorts of things because of lack of understanding and knowledge. They could be. Is it possible to Living have the like understanding that. and knowledge and know and still participate? In yes, it is. You could actually know. But again, when we say no, let me put it this way. Do you know you can know something and you don't really know it? Mm. Um, I don't know what example I could give you. But you can, you can be aware of something. But until it becomes Rima knowledge to you, mm. light falls on that thing it, it let me when i got saved okay prior to getting saved i heard a bit about jesus and all that and it began to make some sense to me okay and i wanted to i wanted it i didn't quite know how to get saved but i remember the night it suddenly made sense and it was because i was reading revelations and when i got to um, a part of it. <laughs> I can't remember mm -hmm. where exactly, but it talked about, I stand at the door and knock. For some reason, that just jumped out at me. And suddenly I went into a vision and I walked through a door. And when I got to the other side, I knew that I was saved. So the next day, um, the Friends of mine who had been kind of preaching to me and sharing the gospel, they'd come to, you know, talk to me again because I hadn't really made a commitment. And they came and I said, I'm saved. And they said, how do you know? I said, I know that I know that I know. So I'm talking about that kind of knowing something. Okay. The fact that somebody knows, yes, you shouldn't commit fornication. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't be an adulterer. Okay. And don't be an adulterer. Uh, you know, until they know. And how will you know? You don't know it by the do's and don'ts. Actually, do's and don'ts will just completely scupper you and sabotage you. You know it by the love of God. The more love you know. You know the opposite of good is not bad, according to the word. The opposite of, uh, let me say, put it this other way. The opposite of bad it's not just good. You can't tell somebody, oh, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. You have to be good, you know. So of no use. They couldn't be good, good no matter what you say. Mm. The opposite of bad is love. When they discover pure love, pure, unadulterated love that overwhelms them, that, you know, this is what Pushes somebody to say, I, I, I will give back all the money I took off them. Like I think Nicodemus did. 
what do you, you think he was just I just Zacchaeus. want to be good mm, Zacchaeus be, yeah. yeah Zacchaeus sorry mm. <laughs> not Nicodemus mm. he went by night Zacchaeus said he was a tax collector mm. and he had cheated a lot of people and then he went when once he encountered Jesus he said I'll give back nobody does that unless they have truly encountered God they've encountered love that's why they will give back. Have you ever seen anybody, even when they repented, like, you know, say they arrested somebody for fraud or something, they're not willingly giving back. If they don't ask them and force them to do it, it's certainly not going to do that, you know. But here, you see, Zacchaeus says, I will give back. And I experienced that when I was saved, you know, because I wanted everybody to know. And I had an enemy at the time, it was one of my lecturers. And he was one of the first people I went to. And when he saw me, he was afraid. He didn't know why I was coming to him. I said, no, I need, you need to know this. This is awesome. God loves you. He actually loves you for real. I was trying to explain that this is true, you know. We, we can live a life different to what we've been living. And I couldn't even get the words to explain because, you know, I was a new Christian. You don't even have the words to say. Love is what will help you to not do the fornications and the idolatry and so, so on mm. because you, you're loved. You are loved so much and God trusts you and God expects thing, good things in you. Mm. And so you live, you know, when you have a child and you tell them good things about themselves, they actually live up to that expectation. And you can say the opposite and they'll live down to those expectations. Yeah. And I think there's a, it's a question of identity as well here in this mm. passage, because you're yeah. either washed, sanctified, justified, or you are one of these things, adulterer, idolater. Mm -hmm. And so one of the points being made is that this is not who you are. Precisely, you are not yes. the idolater, the adulteress. No. So don't act like don't that act because like it's it. not who you are. Exactly. You're not a thief. Mm. Now you might have stolen just a second before, but then you would have to remember, but I am not. Mm. And therefore I will not, you know, and it doesn't matter what it is. Once this is where the renewal of your mind comes in, because you now realize who you are and you would then act. And, you know, the Bible says as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, it's whatever is in your heart. So you, you're renewing your mind to what is true. Being yeah. righteous is the truth. And not many people realize, not many believers realize they're actually righteous. Not many believers be, uh, realize that they're none of these things because they may have done it yeah. or even currently doing such things. Mm -hmm. And it is in understanding that actually it's not, this is not me. This is not my picture. This is not true of me. My true nature isn't this. You know, if their true nature was this, uh, they would have no conscience about it at all. Mm. None. There would be absolutely no... You see, if anybody argues this point with you, the reason they are arguing it is a prick of conscience. A person who does not care, it's not even a subject. They're living it, and who cares? They, they won't even discuss such a thing. As far as they're concerned, it's perfectly fine. But if you find someone saying, oh, well, what about this and this and that, something is 
deep is calling to deep and you know you're not meant to be in that category and so you have to believe and they may not know how to get out of it you see and the holy spirit is always ready to help you walk out of whatever situation you find yourself in you don't have to settle for it and say oh well i'm never going to come over this sin i'm never i just have to live with it you don't have to live with anything you can't come out the god god will help you but you must be ready to renew your mind with the word believe the word concerning you you're not an adulterer, uh, fornicator, uh, you know, all these things, reviler and so on. You're not a drunkard. You know, many people will drink too much, but you're not a drunkard. Mm. That's it. Yes. But no, that's that's amazing. I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there because okay. we've, we've covered a lot. <laughs> we have gone, but, yes. We yeah. have gone over quite a number of things. You are so. saved by grace through faith. Yes. You're forgiven of all sin past present and future yes and i might add that faith when you're saved uh by grace through through faith Mm -hmm. the faith you were saved with was not even your own faith Mm. you see this is important because you when you think it's just your faith you then think everything else i must drum up faith to believe this and i must drum up faith to believe that Mm. you can't it's not a human faith what happened when you said yes to jesus the faith of jesus was imparted to you you couldn't even believe god completely on your own Mm. so he imparts supernatural faith to you so that you can believe it's Mm. done instantly Mm. and so even that so when you think about i have the faith of jesus i have the faith of jesus you are able to believe for other things you have the faith already yeah that's it and so i just Mm. want to put that in so that people know the faith itself came from god and therefore you have jesus faith you are able to believe for whatever thing that's confronting you, you can believe mm. and you can come over it. Mm. Yeah, because a lot of people just think, I don't have the faith for this, I don't have the faith for that. No, no, no. You still have a choice. You, have, you make the choice to turn right. to God. Yes. But he imparts faith. He imparts faith, For yes. you to believe. You, yes, precisely. And you're saved. So... So by grace and through faith, because the grace of God, as I said before, exists already. It existed before any of us came to be. God, because God exists and God is love and love includes grace. Mm. Love includes grace. He's always had that. He's always wanted that for us. He's always wanted to be in communion with us, reconciled to man man reconciled to him because he wants you to be happy he wants you to live a full life he wants you to reach your full potential every expectation that you have in your heart he wants you to be able to fulfill it if it's of god if it's good yes the answer is always yes for good things okay good things for people if they would accept it Mm. he wants you to just accept he's looking for you hunting for you so what he will bless you he's got a whole load of truckload of blessings to pour out he wants someone to love Mm. 